Welcome to another episode of B2B Nation, the official technology advice podcast for sales and marketing professionals. I'm your host, Chris Kleinfelter, and I recently had the opportunity to speak with Joel Caparella, an expert sales and marketing consultant. We talked about how the quantity of marketing qualified leads is steadily going up, but the quality isn't necessarily increasing at the same rate. To change this, he suggested that there needs to be a recommitment for content strategy to focus on sales enablement. We also talked about sales and marketing alignment, and before working on aligning the departments, you must first focus on the larger story that you want to tell. Joel suggested you should become aggressively prescriptive in your story, not just a pain solution, which is what most companies are doing today. You need to connect with a much more dramatic, larger story and tell it to your market so that the story can be used to enable sales to become more prescriptive. Marketing and sales teams need to be partners to make this strategy work. That was a really good interview. I'm really excited for you to listen to it. Uh, Joel had a lot of very insightful things to say. He has a lot of experience to draw on, both uh, as he was involved in the corporate environment with both sales and marketing and also as a consultant. So without further ado, here's my interview with Joel. Enjoy. Welcome to the B2B Nation, Joel. Thanks for talking with me today. Chris, I'm glad to be on. I love the show. I'm happy to be on. Well, we're really glad to have you today, and I'm very excited to talk with you about uh, improving sales and marketing alignment, and we'll we'll have some good insights there. But before we get into that, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you're up to these days? Sure, Chris. So I've spent a good majority of my career in software marketing and sales, uh, starting in desktop sales, enterprise-level sales, uh, SaaS, you name it, and, and even included a time running marketing for a large professional services firm, a global professional services firm for a time. Uh, and, you know, I spent most of that time focusing in on go-to-market strategy development and building sales enablement and demand generation. And in 2014, I was uh, really loved the lay of the land, the way that media flows today, and noticed that there's an increasing need for marketing to empower sales even more. So I stepped out on my own for the past uh, year and a half, two years, I have been out of my own my consulting firm that I call Capital Strategies, and that's what I do. I focus on two things, helping my clients tell a much bigger story to increase marketplace awareness, but do it in a way that enables their sales force so that they could accelerate deals through their sales process. I think a big, and we'll talk about it a lot today, I think a big gap today is that marketing uh, is great at pumping up marketing metrics, but sometimes it doesn't always translate into swift sales process for the B2B sales force. Yeah, that can definitely be true. Uh, so, you know, you uh, you have a strong background in both marketing and sales, and, you know, now you're running a consulting operation. So you've really gone from that more uh, corporate, corporate atmosphere uh, into consulting. What have you learned as a result of those transitions? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I just connected with a former colleague of mine the other day. He is now running a Salesforce for a startup here in the Philadelphia region, and he's looking for some marketing help. And, you know, we kind of had a, a chuckle, or at least I did, because it was like, listen, now that I am both marketing and sales, I have a much deeper appreciation for why sales sometimes get so frustrated with marketing. So mm-hmm. he, he thought that was uh, just desserts, if you will, sometimes for a marketing <laughs> guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I tell you, Chris, what is um, what I found, you know, I, I had a boss early on in my career, and he had to see the marketing guy. He had this book on his desk, and it said, uh, in the cover, it was everything 
sales knows about marketing. And you open the book, and all the pages are blank. So you know, everybody <laughs> got a good, you know, good chuckle out of that. But the, uh, the ironic thing about the book is if you flip it over on the back, the back cover said, everything marketing knows about sales. And <laughs> it was basically, listen, these two disciplines need each other so much, but yet they are sometimes so far apart. So what I've learned as a as an entrepreneur and having to care not just about the demand generation and the lead generation, but following through and executing the sales process until I actually have a, a customer, mm-hmm. there's, there's quite a bit to be gained within that gap. And, and, and personally, Chris, I feel that that's where the rubber really meets the road is, is in that transition from that, that marketing qualified lead, even if it becomes a sales qualified lead, into an actual piece that's in the pipeline mm-hmm. and has promised to move further along until the close. So, where would you say? Let me rephrase that. What is the state of sales and marketing alignment today? I mean, it's a really hot topic. Uh, I've talked about it a number of times on this show. Uh, there's a lot of people talking about it, uh, but is it happening? It seems like it's more of a concept than something that's that's really, to use your phrase, happening in a way that the rubber is meeting the road with it. And and if it is yeah. happening, in your opinion, how is it happening? Well, you know what? I think I think there's good news, bad news kind of thing here, right? I'm, I'm a big believer in content marketing, inbound marketing, and things like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think the unfortunate symptom of that is that marketing's gotten really good at pumping up the demand-generating-oriented metrics and using content as lead magnets and converting people on the website and getting into the system and automating, you know, improving the open rate on emails and on and on. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, what's happened, in my opinion, along the way, is that the sales team, especially a sales force, Chris, that has a, a more of a less of a transactional sales process and a more of an engaged kind of eight week plus, you know, more more complex sales process. What's happened to them is that those those leads increase in quantity, but the quality kind of suffers because once it gets it, they look when we pass sales a. Uh, sale, you know, a sales qualified lead. Say, okay, these guys are ready. They still have work to do before it shows up in their pipeline report, right? And any good sales manager will tell you that he doesn't want things in the pipeline report unless it's an honest to goodness, you know, good piece of hunting that we want to do to take down this particular deal. So I think that while the inbound and the content marketing has been a great opportunity to increase and be more efficient with how we connect and engage our marketplace, there's been something lost in the translation here and less sales enabled happening. Mm-hmm. Now, I think the good news is here, Chris, is that you could solve both those things by just approaching it from the sales side first because demand kind of comes along for the ride if you solve for the sales equation first. So that's, you know, and it's interesting if you, you, you read a lot about what's going on in the marketplace today as far as marketing automation and whatnot. There's so many articles being written about the quote-unquote death of content marketing, and I, and I don't think it's dead by any means. It's just starting. But I do think yeah. there needs to be a recommitment to have our content first and foremost enabled sales team. Yeah, so that's uh, that's that's an interesting strategy. I think a lot of places probably think they're doing that okay, but they really aren't doing it as well as they think they are. Uh, would you have some uh, some ideas? This is a twofold question. One, some some strategies or tips for uh, creating better sales enablement content for their audiences. Uh, and then to follow that up, uh, if you have any strategies or tactics for our listeners to create more alignment with their sales and marketing yeah. teams, I suspect that these answers flow together because I would expect sales enablement pieces to fall into those strategies. Uh, so, yeah, it's a kind of a, a big convoluted question, but uh, what do you think? 
Yeah, I, look, I, I, there, there's, again, there's a lot of opportunity, right? And I think first and foremost that, look, if, I'm, if you're a marketing professional looking to this day, you have a lot to manage, right? You have to manage your go-to-market strategy execution. You have to manage your PR investments, your agency creative investments, uh, you know, whether, depending upon the size of the company. That, that's a lot. You know, by the way, you're required to increase the demand that's coming in to hand things over to sales, right? Mm-hmm. So what I always suggest to my clients early on, Chris, is that, listen, let's focus on first and foremost. Let's let's put sales agents aside just for a moment to focus first and foremost on that larger story that you want to tell. And, you know, I had, um, I host a podcast myself, as you probably know, and I had Brent Adamson on the show. Brent and his colleague wrote The Challenger Sale back in 2010. And I'm a big fan of this book because what the book suggests is that, listen, we as enterprise salespeople need to do more aggressively prescriptive. So what he meant by that is, listen, in the late 90s, early part of the 2000s, it was all pain solution, right? You identify the pain, you offer up the solution, and that's going to accelerate your, your effort, right? Well, that was great at the moment, but now everybody does that same thing. So if you enter the sales conversation first from pain and solution, you're basically commoditizing your offering. And I'm paraphrasing Brent's book here, but, but that's kind of the essence is you're just another player in that game. So how do we rise above that? And this is one of the things I tell the marketing teams is, listen, let's, let's connect with a much more dramatic, larger story. Um, for instance, um, you know, I, I, I always tell a story when I was uh, younger, you know, probably growing up in the Kinefrushet area outside of Philadelphia. Had, we, you know, I was elementary school age in the summertime, and some kids were you know, making fun of the trash guys, right, when they were coming around. And I never forget, my dad told me, listen, don't make fun of the trash guys because they have a really important job. And he explained to me, listen, they removed the trash from our house so it doesn't get cluttered up. Because if the trash gets cluttered up, you know, you're going to have you know, rats and diseased animals, and then sickness goes up, and it becomes an unhealthy environment, and then, and on and on and on. So he, he kind of opened my eyes. Hey, there's a bigger story. The trash guy's not just hauling your trash away for, you know, a little bit above minimum wage. He is protecting the safety of the community, you know? And I always carry that with me, right? That's what I kind of share with my market clients. Listen, what's that bigger story for you? So start there. Tell that bigger story into your marketplace. Now, the key is, this gets back to the heart of your question, is now take that story and use it to enable sales to be prescriptive. If that's the story, right, what's the prescription for attaining that benefit or that value or, or the as-is state or the to-be-desired state? So, you know, and, and you know, to help that along is, listen, we have to be partners in this, right? Sales have to make their expectations crystal clear. They have to be very clear with what those expectations are. They have to uh, understand and be open to listening to what that bigger uh, – that bigger story is so they can inject it into their sales calls, into their initial re- outreach and on and on. So kind of a long-winded answer here, but I always focus it on those two sides of the coin is tell that bigger dramatic story and then enable whatever you're developing so that it empowers the sales force to prove that story out with whatever they're selling. So where have you seen this fail? Uh, have you, do you have any examples of uh, there, there was a company that wanted to try to tell a bigger story and uh, somehow between sales and or marketing, it fell flat. And it, it you know, I, I'm hoping our listeners can learn a little bit from an experience there where um, firsthand, not just hearing how it goes well, but also seeing maybe how it, it failed for someone uh, to learn from mm-hmm. that mistake. Sure. Um, look, there's, there's plenty of examples, right? But let me give you just two first <laughs> <Yeah>. ones here. <laughs> well, because you know, what, what happens is, look, and you know how it goes, Chris, I'm sure you understand that the 
the kid be tedious to get the story right. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody wants to, you know, get the mission down or to do the positioning because it's tedious work. You know, even the branding language, you know, that's, that's you know, people love the results, but it's tedious to get there. But let me give you an example of a kind of a born after. I was working with um, a large software company, and they what their software does is it helps um, facilities managers at hospitals, education, like universities, uh, manage multi-million dollar capital projects. So a capital project is when a, a school puts up a new building or a hospital puts on a new building. So the facility manager, I mean, he's, in, he's in a trailer all day, he's in an office with no windows, and he cares about one thing, get the project in on time, get it in on or under budget. But it's kind of like you know a, a losing proposition because if you look at that industry, on average, projects are 75% over budget and and delayed, right? Wow. So he's already set up. Yeah, so he's already set up to lose, right? So this company that I was helping, they were telling the story of, hey, we're going to help you shave a couple of percentage points off your, um, you know, your budget. We're going to help you bring it in a month or two better. So instead of 75 percent, oh, you'll be selling at only a 60 percent clip. So okay, so that's, that's that doesn't really motivate people, right? You'll, you'll <laughs> fail less, right, yeah. with us, right? So what we did with them is saying, listen, what's, what's he really doing? Let's look at the facilities manager in the hospital. And what he's doing is he is ensuring that capital is freed up. So if he does his job better, that hospital gets more capital freed up to maybe hire better doctors, maybe modernize another section of the hospital, maybe invest in um, – you know, sterilization so staff isn't such a, a problem as it is in some other facilities. Whatever it might be, is that's what he's doing. He's actually the unsung. So what we ended up talking about is, hey, the facilities manager is the unsung hero in the U.S. healthcare market because he, if he does his job well and he or she frees up that percentage point of budget, is freeing up literally billion dollars of capital to be injected back into the healthcare market. So. That, that's kind of like the before and after, right? Now, how do I connect back to say, oh, well, it can't be the story. You have to say, here's how it's realized. <laughs> wow, that's fascinating. Um, yeah, so so let's shift let's shift gears here for a second. Um, I'd love to like get out our crystal ball and look into the future for just a moment. Uh, how do you think sales and marketing alignment uh, will evolve in the next five years, particularly mm-hmm. as a result of new technology and new strategic approaches? Yeah, look, I think that's a, that's a great question. And, and, I, and this is my opinion, right? If you look at, and I always like to look at where technology is headed and where the investments are being made in technology. Mm-hmm. And there's two big categories today. And on the HR side of the equation, you have a lot of money, uh, venture money being invested in enterprise-level HR applications that are all about the people that work at these companies, right? So previously, it was all about the work of managing a workforce, so the benefits and the administration and the costs, right? But, you know, with the, the way the workforce is structured today, people want purpose, right? So you're seeing a lot of money flow into applications that are more engaging and connect. I mean, just look at Slack, right? Slack is successful because it's a very engaging communication mm-hmm. platform for people that, that work at a, a company that uses Slack, right? So I use that as an example, and I'll tie it in in a second because I think there's you also see a lot of money. You know, there's a big marketing automation push in the late thousands, early part of this decade, but now you're seeing a bigger push on the CRM side, right, where CRM is starting to get a lot more personal to the salesperson. So where Salesforce and the the legacy CRM tools are all about sales management, just like the HR side was all about you know, management of the workforce, 
now you're seeing sales tools become more about the people actually connecting and engaging. So all about engagement is kind of where I see these things come up. And I think and I think that's good news for people that do believe that this can be sales and marketing. Because if, if I'm purpose driven, right, the way we've been discussing, well then I certainly want to have a much more intimate connection with how I'm selling, how I can connect that story to the people that it matters most to, how it impacts their lives. And and here's where I can connect the HR and the CRM, you know, yeah. equation here is how does that impact me as a as a career professional and what I want to do next and how my job, whether I'm on the sales team or the customer support team or the uh, software maintenance team or wherever it might be, you know, what where's my where does my part of that equation fit in and how what I do, how does it connect to our bigger purpose as a company? So five years from now, you know, will it be in Nirvana? I don't think it'll be in Nirvana, but I do think you'll see a much more engaging platforms uh, built specifically for uh, the nuance of who people are and how they engage with the with the tools and the services they're selling and also the people that are using them. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. And um, I don't really have much to add. That was very well said. Um, and that's kind of similar to some other opinions I've heard as well about uh, where uh, uh, this is headed. Engagement and getting more personal seems to be a very a very common thing amongst those who have informed opinions about it. So, um, hey, so where, uh, as our listeners are looking for you out uh, on the web, Joel, where can they find you out there? Sure, Chris. I'm, I'm glad you asked. So, so for your audience, I actually put something together just for them. If they go to joelcap, that's J-O-E-L-C-A-P dot com forward slash video, there's a 10-minute video about transforming customer advocacy. And I focus in on that first because customer advocacy seems to be the largest gap. Marketing wants references, okay? Salespeople want them too, but they don't want to help each other out. So I think this little 10-minute video will actually start to give your audience some ideas of how I collaborate better with my sales team. Uh, so you can get it again at joelcap.com forward slash video. Next best place is actually that's my website. You can find me there. My Facebook page is a good place to connect as well. It's Joel Cap also. Just go to Facebook and just search Joel Cap, and you'll find me there. All right. Well, thank you again to Joel for joining me today. And as always, thanks to our listeners for following along. This episode was recorded at the Technology Advice Podcast Studio in Nashville, Tennessee. To listen to more episodes of B2B Nation, you can check us out on SoundCloud or iTunes. And to learn more about the show, you can find us on Twitter at technology underscore ADV or at technologyadvice.com. Thanks for listening.